0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another scintillating episode of We'll See You in Hell. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about the finale of the Twin Peaks reboot, but also the entire uh, rebooted series at large. And don't you worry, because I know very few people watch the reboot. We'll be talking about many other things as well. And now, uh, (laughs) well, heck, I suppose we should go ahead and Get on with the show and 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 in doing so get on with the
1: show <laughs> I like that one that might, that might be my favorite a whispered Yeah, I like it. All right. <laughs> it 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 shows it shows I don't need to come to you. You'll come <laughs> to me. I yeah. set the tone here. That's right. I like that quite a bit.
0: Uh, Pat. uh Joe, I'm gonna I'm gonna just shout out a little a little tension in the room that you're probably not even aware of. I'm sitting here with a extreme amount of hair cut off of my head about forty five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten a nice haircut. I'd take a did you get a haircut?
1: You think I haven't noticed it? I noticed it. But you just don't give those sort Maybe of Maybe I was waiting for the podcast to start to say something. I mean, yeah. Joe picked me up at my house. We
0: were driving along. I'm like, well, you know, I took off, you know, probably a foot of hair.
1: Your hair looks great. Thanks, Joe. And I think this style of hair suits you better.
0: You know, I think so, too. I, I was just not getting it cut out of uh, busyness. And, you know, like you work a bunch. It's like things like a haircut and stuff. You're like, that. that's it's a luxury I don't have time for. Sure. And then one day you look in the mirror and you look like cousin goddamn it. Sure, from the Adams family. Sure. Uh, and I I like to fancy myself you know when I, back in the day when I should have done it, I never rocked that grungy uh, cobain look. Uh, I had the same haircut literally for about 32 years.
1: By the way, how has somebody not done a like some sort of YouTube mashup where it's the it trailer but it's cousin it instead of Pennywise? How is <laughs> I, that not? I think happening? because
0: nobody gives a fuck about the Adams family anymore.
1: Yeah, I guess so. It's I me mean, it's not a funny joke, but I just I don't know. I'm surprised it hasn't happened. Anyway. Uh your gotta, cut looks good. I like it. Thanks. Shows off more of that delicious face, I'd call it. High and tight,
0: baby. Yeah. Um uh, I, I truly I had I would say the exact same haircut for 90 percent of my life and then i i like the long at times but you know it, you can't control it. it gets in your hair
1: it gets in your face you know
0: uh you ever have a long hair you don't seem like yeah would but mine like
1: gets more like afroy. okay because it's uh curly but you know you with the long hair it didn't look bad but it did it did at times make you look like some kind of card shark you know or something <laughs> like that yeah i like you with the cleaner cut to be honest sure i had an old uh, roommate who really loved when i started growing it out
0: uh and would just like praise me all the, you got to go longer crazier wilder <laughs> and it got in my head you know especially when you get your hair cut looking all nice and your your dear friend joe can't say so much as two words about it i said
1: it i was waiting for the thing to start all right I but saw we my, also uh, don't... Compl- I got to tell you something I was a little sad about. Oh. We went to that Emmys party the other week. Bad party. Not, not a great party, but an okay party. Had a bad time. I felt that I really put, put the whole suit together tremendously. You did. And you didn't say anything. And it kind of bothered me. I had a black shirt, gray suit, black shoes. I mean, it, was, it, it came together. It was sharp. And I thought you would say, like, hey, dude, you're looking snazzy. Did, Did Heather got, tell you you look nice? She's good about that kind of no. thing. No. And, oh. re- and then when she didn't say it, I was like, I must look terrible. <laughs> no. I <laughs> I mean,
0: we had had some cocktails. I, I'll blame it on that. But that was just a, the whole party. I, w- I would say from the second I walked in the door, I said, God damn, I wish I had stayed home. And that's not always the case. I, I'm not hugely social. I don't love a party. But that one, the vibe was immediately off. Um, it was a Comedy Central... Uh, now, I will say this: just last year, that party was popping and swinging, and I had a blast.
1: And this I, year, it was yeah. dead and weird and awkward. And uh, it was a very, but because this year they had it after the Creative Emmys. Yes, Um and also, too, it was it, there was something there was not a party vibe this year. No, nobody. Everybody I was running into at that party, I was like, well, this guy doesn't really drink. Like right. I was desperately trying to find people that were ready to throw him back. And right. nobody was really it's like there's like four open bars in the place. It's I like, well, come on. It's got some fun, man. Like, I know. And it just didn't have that vibe. Even my buddy uh, Jonas. Who works over a comedy set? His name is Jonas. His name is Jonas. Yes, He's carrying the whale. Not my name. Yeah. his name. My name is Weep Hill.
0: <laughs> uh, he uh, baffling lyrics. <laughs> I mean, I, of course, that's one of the best albums ever made, the Weezer Blue album. But what does any of that mean? On my name is Jonas. The I other
1: ones, the other songs think, are very clear. Are they Bible references? I think. Well, Jonas and the whale, yes, but not no, Weep it's, Hill. but it's Jonah and the whale. Yes. Yeah, so n- not Jonas,
0: and it's not whale. It's wheel. My name is Jonas. I'm carrying the wheel. I don't know.
1: Thanks for all you've shown us. This is how we feel. I mean, talk about a group that went from having a little mystery in the lyrics to just laying it oh, all yeah. on the table. They got and a new the songs song. that's
0: are like, I love rock and roll music <laughs> and glasses <laughs> yeah, on my face.
1: Their new song is like a tribute to the Beach Boys. They're They're li- like, literally, that's what it's about. It's about like, I love the Beach Boys.
0: I always say no one in my life has ever let me down like Weezer. And I'm a guy who everyone I I know disappoints me in a huge way at some point. Uh, Weezer, you go blue, you go Pinkerton. Anybody wants to argue which one of those is better. I'm happy to side. I, uh, depending on the day, I'll side with blue being better or Pinkerton being better. Green, I was like, these songs all follow a very specific formula it's a little corny, but it's still very catchy and good. Maladroit underrated, but we're dipping into some problem areas. I feel like Everything beyond that was a fucking train wreck.
1: You take Maladroit and the Green album and you can piece together yes. a decent album between the two. The best of the best of Ma-
0: Maladroit <laughs> and the best of Green is a great album. Yeah. Possibilities, but, the punk song on Maladroit yeah. is great. Uh, uh, and Gone
1: fishing is is awesome. Gone fishing uh, is great. Uh, the one that's like whoa, whoa 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 whatever that song is on Maladroit, it's the second song. Here in my oh, head, sure. yeah. yeah, that's classic, like fun Weezer, you know. Yeah, they
0: there are great songs on both. When you get into the one with Hurley from Lost
1: on the cover, don't don't
0: even bring it up. There's to a me. song on that called Peace and Love. With like a sitar in the background that is arguably the worst song ever written. <laughs> but then every time an a-, a Weezer album comes out, all these fucking nerds come out of their coffins and they're like, hey,
1: uh, this one's a real return to form. Well, I I go, you know what? OK, I'll give it a spin. And it's terrible. I will say this. Not the new one that's coming out now, but the last one that came it out. It was dog shit. I know you liked it. It was dog shit. I didn't... Look, I wouldn't say I liked... I, I, it was as close to a Weezer album as you were going to get. What was your favorite song on it? You couldn't remember any you of even the songs? No, of course you couldn't. But I remember the first song sort of was like Tired of Sex and... It had moments. It had redeeming moments, and I was like, you know what? If this album would have came after the Green album, I would have given a, I would have given it a, sh- a shot. Yeah. It was that. It was that kind of thing, but I mean, it was certainly a step in the right direction from fucking Beverly Hills. Oh, that's where I want to be. That's
0: where I want to be. And I can't even tell if he's being sarcastic or not. I can't tell. I don't even think he knows. <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: and then it's, there's always
0: one song where he's like. I fucked a 13-year-old Asian girl. And you're like, wait, what was that line? What'd you say, Rivers? Um, yeah. The, the I love him so much. But here's my question, Joe, and it's a question I'm sure I've posed in this podcast because it's a question I ask myself every day. If the Weezer Blue album, and we, know, we don't know anything about Weezer, if that album drops today, is it the success it was back then? The answer to that I'm just going to go ahead and say is no. But would I love it as much now? And I think, sadly, tragically, the answer is also no. There's, There's no, no chance agree. I would listen to that every time I got in the car for three years, as I did for Blue and Pinkerton.
1: Well, I didn't listen to it every day, so it didn't hit. It never hit me like that. But a, I did a, like a, the album. A
0: complete obsession with me and my friends, where we sang every lyric every time we
1: drove around. I didn't get into Weezer till Pinkerton. When well, Pink, I love that. When Pinkerton came out. I was like, oh, yeah, the new Weezer. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's sort of it. Maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. And my RA in my dorm, Chris, played it for me. And I just remember being like, holy shit, man, this is really dark. Yeah. But it still sounds like Weezer. This is really fucking cool. It's a masterpiece. And then, that, then I retroactively got more into the Blue Album, even though I was fairly familiar with it. Right. But I, if the Blue Album... So I mean,
0: Wax America, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Well, what do you want? In the garage. In the garage, is an amazing song. Uh, "Only in Dreams." I always play "Only in Dreams" on the jukebox because it's like getting three songs for one. Yeah,
1: it's a nine-minute song. So you get, but here's the thing: if the blue, if those albums came out today, uh, commercial successes, I can't speak to. Probably not. But I still think if I heard those for the first time today, I'd be, I'd be pretty blown away. I'd be like, "Wow, this is an amazing!" I remember when that blue album came out, Pinkstone playing it for me and going, "This." band sounds like if nirvana and the beastie boys did an album together and i was like oh yeah you're right it's or, or i'm sorry the beach hey, boys right beach boys excuse me oh okay sorry i said beastie boys he was like this sounds like if the beach boys and nirvana got mixed together and it was like yeah you're right yeah, i'd buy that you know so it was a good uh, a very good assessment i was going to tell another pink stone story what were we talking about earlier pinker stone. Pink stone what yeah. were we telling about
0: talking about earlier though before this uh, Weezer and then my haircut, I think, is all we've covered. Your haircut?
1: <laughs> God damn it. Boy, it's, it's, really, just, it's
0: really slipping for you, isn't it? It is.
1: <laughs> You're seeing the pattern, right? You're seeing the pattern. I'm, from, yeah. I'm regularly forgetting things. I can't remember. I, I can't remember words anymore. Well, I am the one who listens to our podcast each week. Joe
0: doesn't. And I, I think it's a, I think you'd be really pleasantly surprised. Because sometimes even when I listen to it the next day, I'm like, Laughing at at her own banter, you know, which is is really smelling your own shit. It's very narcissistic. Sick. Sick. uh, I have to listen to it to make sure there's no weird pops or whistles or anything. Somebody has to listen to it. And, uh, (laughs) you know, Joe, really more and more each week will start a sentence and then be like, what was I talking about? It happens a lot. And this past week you were kind of angry at yourself about it. I feel Maybe. I struggle with my short-term memory as well. I, we we know the reason. It's, it's marijuana, but... No, I, but I don't smoke marijuana. Maybe I got a wet brain. Do you think I got a wet brain? I don't know, but more and more, you're. I mean, we've only talked about two things, and now you're trying to figure <laughs> out what we're talking about.
1: No, I'm not, I'm not trying to figure out. I'm not lost. All right. I'm not wandering around the room as we podcast. All right. I'm just trying to remember, there was a Pinkstone thing I wanted to say to you. B- that was a ref. That was that had to do with something you were talking about, <clears throat> and I it's think not we only talks about Weezer. You know that Weezer
0: has an album called Ratitude, right? It makes me sick. Yeah, it makes me sick. Actually, Peace and Love might be on Ratitude, but that was the last one I listened to all the way through, and it, it shook me to my goddamn core.
1: Ratitude Hurley, yeah, as we already mentioned,
0: with the guy from Lost on the cover,
1: yeah, yeah. That red album is the album I believe that has the Beverly Hills song on it. Uh, well, it also has pork and beans, and pork and beans is really catchy. Look, Beverly Hills is catchy. Doesn't mean I want to fucking listen to it. Beverly Hills terrible. feels like Limp Biscuit to me. Pork and Beans is. Limp Biscuit? That's what I said. No, what? what?
0: It sounds nothing like Limp Biscuit. It's, do- it's douche rock to me. But it's like a pop song. It doesn't sound like Bizkit. Beverly kid. Hills.
1: Bizkit would be like be- Beverly Hills. Oh, do, 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 do. All right, well,
0: that then would then it, be it sounds listen. like Sugar Ray to me. There you go. All, All right. right,
1: well, say the right reference yeah. the first time. Stop
0: it. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the greatest concerts I've ever been to. Sir, so, I mean certainly Gallagher. Not, certainly not in terms ninety-seven, of but it was a '90s show at the Greek Theater, and I went with a bunch of coworkers about. God, at this point, five, six years ago. And it was Marcy Playground. It was one of those 90s reunion tours. I smell sex
1: and candy. Sex and candy. Yeah, I like that song. Then
0: it was uh, Gin Blossoms, who I consider one of the most underrated
1: bands. You talk about their their first album. You know what, Walsh? I've been waiting for a while for us to harshly disagree. Their first album is a classic. I will throw this fucking drink at you, and here's why. <laughs> here's how wrong you are. There isn't a bad song on that first album. I had a album. joke where the punchline was gin blossoms and it got a laugh because people were like, oh, yeah, that they suck. Yeah, because they're unfairly
0: aligned with your Smash Mouths, your Hoobastank, and,
1: and everybody else on this Oh, no, bill. no, 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 no. I put them in a different shitty category. I put them in a different... I'm putting Jim Blossom's Below Smash Mouth. I'll listen to on Out on the your Sun before mind. I listen to You're Found Out, out About mind. You.
0: Well, I'm talking about their first album. Found Out About You is an amazing song, by the way. Oh, But Christ. they also have one of my favorite songs ever about addiction called Hold Me Down. Okay. Brilliant lyrics to this song. And the story of the Jim
1: Blossoms is so tragic, it makes me like them even more. Okay, what's the story? They're, they actually went forward as a band and released their music.
0: <laughs> Their guitarist wrote, well, A, their first album's called New Miserable Experience. Yeah, I know. And their second one is called Congratulations, I'm Sorry. Yeah. Congratulations, I'm Sorry is a dream album title. <laughs> <laughs> how many times have I said I'm
1: sorry to somebody where the subtext is congratulations?
0: All right. I'll you give get you, your I'm I'll Sorry. I'll give you
1: the album title, but tell me why this first album is so brilliant.
0: Well, I mean, to me, they're like a big star you know big star what did
1: big star sing
0: big star is a is a lost kind of it's a it's a very like you know alex chilton 70s 60s band you might know a few other songs but they're they're pretty lost to to history unfortunately and they made great music and gin blossoms was kind of ripping them off i put
1: gin blossoms into candle box that's that's get it you're out of your fucking mind (laughs) You're out of your fucking mind. Who sang... You know what band I did like? Although the, the
0: Eastbound and Down, where they played uh, Far Behind <coughs> at the funeral of the Jason Sudeikis character... Right. I rewound that about twenty. Who was the
1: times. band that sang, so let's gel, <laughs> come together, yeah. Wait. have let your light you, shine you down.
0: Mean, let's mingle, make it well. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well... I like that band.
0: I don't know about that, but have Let Your Light Shine Down is Collective Soul. Did they also yeah, do let's that's, mingle. Yeah, That's gel. Oh, I think it is. They or also is did, did uh, from Varsity Blues.
1: They've got a long way to a run. And that's no, a great I'm song. wrong. That's not, that's not collective. You're right. That's collective soul. Jell is in collective soul. Jealous- I don't think so. Wait. Bear now, bear now, bear now. Bear
0: now. Let's mingle. Yeah. Make no. it well. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but All they right, sound nothing like the Jim Blossom.
1: <laughs> I, I know
0: they don't. That's why I like them. <laughs> <coughs> Uh, and then local H was born oh, it of is me collective down. Soul. Okay, yeah, they yeah. collective soul has some great songs too. Yeah, the Gin Blossoms. Here's their story. Their guitarist wrote all their best songs, right. not their lead singer. And the guitarist was a extreme alcoholic. The lyrics to the song "Hold Me Down." And by the way, if I were to if I were to present you a, the poem of "Hold Me Down." and you didn't know it was a gin blossom song you'd be like this is the best description of being addicted to something i've ever heard all right cuz the guy had some fucking demons fair enough he also you know he did your hey jealousy he did all the big gin blossoms hits all the all the big ones all the hits now as the, as the time comes where they're getting ready to go out for their second album he can't stop drinking he's showing up to practices drunk Still, by all accounts, playing beautifully and still writing the be- clearly the best songs in the band because they never had a hit again. But the band finally had an intervention, and we're like, "I'm sorry, your drinking has been congratulations. Too much. I'm, congratulations sorry. I'm sorry. Congratulations. I'm sorry. We're throwing you out of the band. Right. You can't stop drinking, and we don't. We don't like it. We don't like that you're showing up the shows drunk. Whatever. He leaves and kills himself.
1: Right. Like, almost immediately. For what he had inflicted on the world with these two records. You know what, Joe? (laughs) The man couldn't live with himself. Folks, please take record of how I am not laughing at this at all.
0: Because the man was a great fucking songwriter. And they they, they were in the wrong time. They were a band in the wrong time. They should have been contemporaries of a big star. There are some fantastic... Pop rock songs they on their sounded first like album. They did like
1: Matchbox 20. No, it they did. It's like very much in that same thing. They didn't, but Matchbox 20
0: knew how to craft a pop song as well. But Gin Blossoms are a are far superior
1: band. Let me hear a great thing that'll make you like the guy from Matchbox 20. By the 20, way,
0: I'm nowhere near uh, even, even the first part of tell, talking about this concert. We've, we've become so sidetracked. The
1: Gin Blossoms concert? Oh, wait. That's right. Now the Gin Blossoms. Yeah, but what show were up? you going go to say? RC Plague. It. He wrote a great article. What's that guy's name again? Rob Thomas. All right. I almost You're said- talking about the article
0: where he said he was the first guy who ever got fat being addicted to cocaine.
1: No, no. That's hilarious. That's why so- I loved him. Yeah. He wrote an article about how everybody hates him because he's Rob Thomas. And he's just like, Yeah, I'm like a cool guy. Like I just I'm sorry that you don't like my band, but like yeah. we just do what we do. Like it doesn't mean I'm an asshole. Oh, God and- bless him. They they probably and- have he
0: probably has forty million dollars.
1: He tells this story at the end of the article where he was hanging out with David Cross yeah, and then and everything and like they were having a great time until David Cross figured out who he was and uh. like, and then was like shitty to him. And he's like, what the fuck, man? And uh, and he goes, and then, you know, to add insult to injury, David Cross thought I was Scott Stapp, oh. right? And he goes, Scott's, this is the last line of the article, Scott Stapp, he's my Rob Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, yeah, yeah. I I I really like that guy a lot. Like, I think he's. I I don't like his music, but I think that's that he's hilarious. I hated
0: uh, Rob Thomas, but when "Smooth" first hit the airwaves, when it first hit the airwaves, before everyone got sick of it, I was like, you can't deny this song. It's
1: the greatest selling record of all time.
0: It is catchy as fuck. I, and a catchy uh, song is not an easy thing to
1: do. It makes me when I hear it now. It, it I see oh, red. Sure. I no, mean, it's a blind rage. I just picture uh, Angela Bassett getting her groove back to it. And some sure. some outdoor cabana bar. It's 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 not. It, sure, the song sucks. But, but uh, this
0: uh, yeah, this show was Marsha and who I had no interest in.
1: But they did Sex and Candy. And they, of course, they played Sex and Candy. But tell me Better Than Ezra showed up and uh, they gave you a little uh huh. Good is a great song. I love that song.
0: Now, Better Than Ezra
1: are the slightly shittier gin blossoms. You're a fucking idiot. That, well, they are. You're an so, idiot. And here's why. The guy from Better Than Ezra said, when I wrote Good, I was trying to write a pixie song. And when you listen to it, and it through that filter, you go, oh, yeah, it does kind of sound like a pixie song. Well, good is a great song. But and, and and I, I have never heard one Gin Blossom song that sounds like that.
0: Also, one of the most perfect Norm McDonald Weekend Update jokes, uh, one of my all-time favorite Norm McDonald Weekend Update jokes, was uh, uh, number two on the adult uh, alternative charts this week. Better than Ezra. Number three, Ezra. <laughs> really, a, a
1: truly perfect. And job. I bet you it bombed, right? It bombed, of course. Yeah.
0: Uh, So this show was at the Greek Theater. Very fun. It was, uh, as I said, Marcy Playground. Mm -hmm. It was... The Gin Blossoms. Lit.
1: What did Lit sing again?
0: You make me come. You make me complete. You make me completely miserable. I don't even
1: remember the song. Do you
0: remember... Did you forget about the things I said when I was drunk? Yeah, they had a good album, too.
1: Please tell me why. (laughs)
0: We're singing beautifully tonight. Yeah. But Miserable is a really great song to this day. Remind me to hit you with my favorite 90s song when you're done. I'd love it. But uh, uh, for some reason, uh, maybe it was weed influenced or I don't know, but we we got a real kick this night out of me saying, you make me palm... You make me palm frites. Mm-hmm. You make me palm fritesly miserable. They were selling palm frites at the venue. Clearly, we were high. Doesn't make any sense, Pat. I'll tell you, we loved it. Sure, you did. I do. tweeted it, and the people of Twitter loved it as well. <laughs> I don't know why. It just captured the zeitgeist. You know? Right. <laughs> it was of its time. Then it was the Gin Blossoms who killed it. Then it was. Sugar Ray. Now, I have always hated Sugar Ray, except for their one kind of more rockin' song, which is called Answer the Phone, which is a great pop punk song. And I have a. Not a fan. Certainly in those days, I had some affection for the pop punk genre. But Sugar Ray fully embraced how washed up they were, and it was a funny, fun time. Then out comes Joe the headliner, Everclear. Everclear, who wrote the same song. Five hundred times. But I'm listening because I like gaun, that damn song. Gigga gown Giga gown Giga gown 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 I love Santa Monica, their first big hit. Sure. Beyond
1: that, I can give or take them. Almost interchangeable with the Toadies backwater. <laughs> well, now the Toadies are one of my favorite. 90s. Listen, I like the Toadies quite a bit, but I'm saying those two songs yes. you could you could do like a mega mix right. thing. The and Toadies
0: their the toadies first two albums. I mean, I consider them a. Really fantastic. The Toadies are of the a great band. They're, Beyond
1: that, they're not, but their first two albums but are. But the great. Toadies are one of those bands like Faith No More where they got popular and are only known for the one song. And you're like, no, there's so much Yes.
0: There's so much more. Correct. Okay, good. But Everclear was very like self important and kind of sucky. And at some point, I was I was very into Twitter at this point, probably five years ago. I tweeted something derogatory about Everclear. Within ten minutes. Of Everclear leaving the stage, I had a, a hateful tweet from the drummer of Everclear, <laughs> where he was like, I'd like to see you write some of the best fucking songs of an in- that defined an entire decade, you motherfucker. And then that was really the first time, because I had almost no followers at this point, where I was like, yeah, what words can hurt. Yeah.
1: Words can hurt. Words can hurt. You're drumming in Everclear,
0: you think you're cool, you go back... I what, wonder what, what people thought
1: of the show. What would you have done if uh, he went and killed himself after that? Uh, don't bring that no, I'm just saying. I'm asking. What would you have done? Probably nothing. I mean, to be <laughs>
0: honest. <but laughs> he was also like a late addition. He wasn't even like original Everclear member. You know? Oh, well, then fuck him. I agree.
1: Oh, that's lame. That's like one of the roadies firing back at you. Right. Now, what is your favorite 90s song you were going to say <laughs> It's quite arguably. We went on the ride. We sat at Hermosa. We bumped the one to 0 run that day. Oh, fastball the way! Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic. Which to song. me, it's almost. And this is a Pinkstone thing. We've talked about this. It's almost a prototype for a modern spoon song. It sounds like sure. spoon. It's got that Spanish guitar in it. It's got the super catchy hook. Fastball was great. Fastball was ripping
0: off Elvis Costello. Yes, which uh, which uh, is my favorite artist of all time. That song also had a great song. You're an ocean.
1: You remember that song? I only know the way. You're an ocean. Yeah, I only know the way. But uh, I love that song. Makes me happy in ways that I can't even. I mean, I just I love that fucking song. Now everybody knows uh, once and it had that song. Sure, it had Toadies, Backwater, it had Everclear, Santa Monica. It yeah. had um, uh, uh, Stars by uh, Hum. Oh, that's a great song. It yeah. had uh it had a, uh, uh, oh, fuck, man, this, this Soundgarden song. Bow on the line, oh, don't do Killer.
0: <laughs> I don't know what the song is called. But. <laughs> I, uh, Soundgarden, I love their early stuff, but really, they hit a real, I mean, Down on the Upside is arguably better than Super
1: Unknown. Down on the Upside, I finally, finally got it on vinyl. They re-released it, it, it finally. Too. It's a double vinyl. Yep. I've been listening it. to it quite a bit. Blow Up the Outside World is is
0: one of my favorite songs.
1: Is that the one that's like, blow up the outside
0: no, uh, no, that's not "Blow Up the Outside World." The song where the lyrics are "Blow Up the Outside," <laughs> it's actually a different song. But that's
1: yeah. that one. That, that's the one, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a fucking awesome song. Uh, uh, it's got the. Like, that's
0: a real like. Compl- it, it goes through a lot of changes throughout. It's a great song. "Pretty Noose" yeah.
1: Pretty
0: is noose. my favorite is
1: Soundgarden song, next to "Outshined." Outshined. The
0: worst. Uh, ever performance I've ever seen on Saturday Night yep. Live. I know Soundgarden. Gonna- His voice was shot.
1: Yeah, Jim when Carrey did, was hosting. They're doing pretty news. He can't hit the yeah. notes.
0: It's like I was like, oh my god, Jim Carrey and Soundgarden in their primes. What a killer night! And he was just like, ah! like voice going out every note.
1: Yeah, Sounded he could He couldn't. He couldn't do it. But no. it was clear that it just. I'll tell you what was beautiful and heartbreaking is the uh, when Whitney Houston died. He does that. Uh, it was a Chris Cornell concert, and he comes out for the encore, and he does an acoustic version of I Will Always Love You, and he dedicates it to her. i it. i I mean, he wails it the fuck out. like Yeah. That guy was awesome, man. I'm sad that he died. Or, Same here. You know, the- I watched, and you know,
0: I-, I certainly don't wish death on Eddie Vedder. Absolutely not. He's a very talented man and a songwriter.
1: Where are you going with this, Walsh?
0: I'm saying my least favorite of those... Pearl Jam, uh, you know, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, your big 3. My least favorite by like 1 billion percent is Pearl Jam. That's nuts. 1 You're billion nuts. percent. You're nuts. I've never really gotten into a, a Pearl Jam song or album. I think they're decent. I had a friend in high school, Mike Curry, who was obsessed with them. Mike, I, I think you might be listening hello. He would play them Incessantly, and and like you got to hear this song, you got to hear this live. Cu- yeah. Remember, they released they released like five thousand live. Yeah, albums? I
1: don't give a shit about any of that stuff. But I'll, I'll tell you this, man. They're not I've made, my thing. I have made many a Pearl Jam mix where every song sweeps me away. I, I heard "Do the Evolution" in the car today, and I was I was jumping out of the seat. I like that one. The uh, "Hail, Hail," "Fucking Animal," "Even Flow." I go Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, mm-hmm. and then in fourth place, I'm gonna put. Your old STP, because I feel like they were the fourth. I'll take STP over Pearl Jam. You're, shut up. Absolutely. Patrick. Shut your fucking Absolutely. mouth. Absolutely. Shut your dirty mouth.
0: The first, uh, number four is weak. The first three Stone Temple Pilots albums are better than the first
1: three Pearl Jam albums. You are a crazy man. Sorry. You think. I know, I know. Stone Temple Pilots Purple is better then versus purple is phenomenal. I didn't say I didn't like and the tiny, album. tiny music is a, is a masterpiece. Tiny music is, let's not get carried away here. It's not a masterpiece. Art. It's a good album. Very it's underrated a good album. Did I it's, ever tell you about
0: when I saw some Temple pilots.
1: Yeah. A hundred times the guy's wife puked oh. on her tits Jesus, and he gave sorry. you the tickets to the Vegas show and you went in and you watched it. Jesus, Jesus. I'm sorry. You sat in the front row and it was great. Yeah, that's basically the story, right? Yeah, that's it. Yep. <laughs> Guess the gloves Folks, are coming just off. Just to tell you where we're at right now. I put now. Pearl
0: Jam, like, you, you could list a bunch of. I don't even like Allison Chains. I might take them over Pearl Jam. I would give you Allison Chains over Pearl Jam, even though I don't will take Sonoma Pilots over Allison Chains and Pearl Jam. You're,
1: you're, Pet, you're talking like an, an asshole. They
0: got better songs.
1: No, they don't.
0: They got better what songs. What are you
1: talking about right now? Sorry.
0: They got better songs.
1: You think, dude, fucking them bones. Uh, Rain When I Die, Man in the Box, I Stay Away, Unglued, No Excuses, Plush, Interstate Love Song. I love Interstate Love Song. That it's, was on my 90s mix. It's a killer song. That was on my 90s mix. I didn't say they didn't have good songs. I'll take the Toadies over Pearl Jam. I would give you the Toadies, but you can't say Stone Temple Pilots Again, and is I am. better than Pearl Jam. That's an insane They were just statement. not my thing. It's just a matter of taste. Well... Bad taste, actually. <laughs> it's a matter of bad taste. All right. So fine. all of you remember when you were feeling you wanted, you wanted to support Pat during his Gin Blossoms argument, saying this guy just likes the band. Can, Can I say something? He just said Stone Temple Pilots was better than Pearl Jam. Even
0: though I know Gin Blossoms only have one and a quarter good albums, I'll take Gin Blossoms over Pearl Jam.
1: You, you know, you, you make me And I sick. won't
0: hesitate to, to do something. You're
1: just saying this to make me angry. I'm not. I won't hesitate you to do something. You make me sick to my stomach. Have you this heard the entire happens. first uh, Jim Blossom? You come out here to Hollywood, you become a pig. You become a <laughs> Have you heard pig the first person. Jim Blossom? No. Album. Why would I hear it? I urge you all to check it out. It's. The, I just don't care enough. I don't. I've never liked one song. I've. I've never wanted. You didn't a, enjoy hate Jealousy. No. Then we're different. I we're hate different that people. Song. We're different people. I hate that song. All right, fine. I hope that song kills itself. All right. How fine. about that? Fine. How about that? I hope it's never played ever again. Now I'm going to get a hate tweet from the replacement guitarist in the Gin Blossoms. I had a friend who I made
0: <laughs> made fun of for years. The guitarist in Gin Blossoms is dead, but I no the,
1: replacement, oh, the uh, replacement like like how
0: you got the replacement. I'll drummers take the replacements hate tweet. over Pearl Jam. The, the replacement
1: drummer that was a callback. Pat, no, I got, it, I got. It. All
0: right. my friend for years thought that uh, the song "Hey Jealousy" was about a woman named
1: Jealousy and we all made fun of him for that. Pat, I got to tell you as negligent as negligent as we are on this podcast yes. about uh, not talking about the movie. Yeah. We are We We're, are th- 34 minutes in. We haven't touched a segment. We haven't touched <laughs> th- the review. I mean, this is this is truly incredible. But
0: I got to tell you, Joe, people when I look at the Facebook page, I know you don't have Facebook and I envy you for it. They're always citing shit
1: that generally is completely off. The All right.
0: Path. I'm happy to talk about other things.
1: Well, I, I mean, we're, we're just to tell you where we're at right now, we're recording this episode two days after we, we, we recorded the last episode uh, because of some scheduling problems we had. Uh, so there is really nothing to talk about for Pat's Movie Corner. There is nothing to talk about. I for, did see a movie. And you I, did? Yeah. In that short period of time. I saw a movie last night with What'd my you lady see? friend.
0: I saw Kingsman 2. How was it? Did you see Kingsman 1? No. You still haven't, and I told you you should.
1: I know. I'm not against it. I just haven't seen it yet.
0: So I hate superhero movies. As I have said a million times. I find them lazy and boring. I went into Kingsman like, oh, all right, let's see what this is, and was blown away by it. And it and the, the final scene of the first Kingsman is still one of the most shocking things I have ever seen in a mainstream movie, and I could not believe that it happened. Okay, And I, I urge you to watch it. I think it's great. So I was moderately excited about Kingsman 2. But as, as uh, I know, Heather, my girlfriend, loved the first one. We both got our movie passes. By the way, you can now get movie pass, which Joe and I both have, for $10 a month. They have zero customer service. It's an atrocious company. But you can see a movie a day for a month. So 30, 30 movies a month if you want. For ten dollars, yeah, I I, we we're not getting money from them either, but it's an amazing deal. I used to do this when it was forty dollars and thought it was an amazing deal. Yeah, so we go into Kingsman two, and I'm kind of dreading it because as we walk in, I see that it's like 145 minutes, Mm. which is every movie now two and a half hours, and it starts out. I'm like, I don't even. They're they're kind of a. It's it's a big thing of sequels nowadays where they assume that you love the movie a lot more than you do. Sure. So they'll start alluding to things that you're like, I don't even remember what that was. And I turned right. to Heather, I'm like, is this the same girl at the end of the first one? She had no idea. Right. But, you know, it's entertaining, it's entertaining, it's entertaining. Julianne Moore in the movie has her own, almost like a universal city walk. You ever been up there? Yeah. Like her own like little world with all these restaurants and things. And she... Her whole goal is to legalize drugs and have them taxed and everything and try to make money off them. And once this subplot starts up, I'm like, this movie's got a lot of shit going on. And as my buddy pointed out to me, he saw it as kind of a Paul Verhoeven kind of satire. And I did as well. The president of this movie gets impeached um they it's he's nothing like trump but clearly like there's something going on here right he's like fuck these drug addicts we'll kill them all anyone who's ever used drugs uh their their veins turn blue in their face and they get all weird or whatever and then he learns like some of his advisors have used drugs and stuff I, i don't know if i'm explaining this well but why are their veins turning blue uh, you know, you'll you'll find out if you see the movie. But anyone okay. anyone who's done
1: drugs, this shows up. Do they make them. a new drug too, or it's called like jazz? They, they have an anecdote. All these kids are doing jazz.
0: They have an anecdote. Yes,
1: but right. he
0: learns that like his advisors do drugs too, and the hypocrisy of it. But he he wants them all killed anyway. They're like, but what about the person who works a twenty-hour workday and wants to have a puff of a joint or whatever? And the president's like, fuck them all, kill them. Like the satire in this movie is off the charts. It's an insane movie. Visually, it's spectacular. The fight scenes are the best I've seen in ages, maybe since the first Kingsman. Uh, and there's a subplot. And I won't even say who it is, but it's a big pop star. Ugh. No, but but you're going to like it. Oh, okay. You're a right. big all-time classic pop star. I'm not talking about Coldplay or something. And where they go with this is is nuts. This is a movie that probably cost $200 million, and it's taken some of the biggest swings I've seen in ages.
1: So is it good or bad?
0: I was entertained for the entire two and a half hours, didn't check my watch once, and then at the end, I turned to Heather, and I was like, I fucking loved that. She was like, I did as well. All right. It's nuts. They're very inventive, crazy, like anarchic movies at a time when every movie is the same. Okay. And I really, really loved it. I love both of them. I probably preferred the first one, even though I'm raving about the second one. But I I just admire that they're getting made. They're nuts. And this one really had something to say. Uh, I loved it.
1: Great. I loved it. Oh, good. I I didn't think that's where you were going with it. I thought you were going to say it was like a mess and you hated it. It's a mess. And I loved it. All right. great. And it
0: it has currently, I think, like a, a 40%. Really? That's why you can't trust Rotten Tomatoes. It's stupid. Yeah. I'll say the weakest link of it, sadly, is Jeff Bridges. And he comes on the scene. Uh, Channing Tatum and him are doing like a
1: Kentucky. They're running like a, a bourbon. I distillery. don't even understand anymore. I tweeted the other day. I mean, I look forward to being... Part of what will become to be known as the Jeff Bridges only did weird Southern characters yeah. phase. It's like, why is everything he's in now? He's got a cowboy hat and he's like, oh, I, I think the beauty. Why is that all he's? I doing really now?
0: hated it. And when he when he turns around at first, like I mean, we're talking one of my favorite actors here. Yeah. When he turns around and they they give him the reveal and he's like, you all want to ship a bourbon or you know? I'm like, oh, Christ! And every time he came on. I was waiting for the moment he would be off. I wanted more
1: Joel Edgerton and less (laughs) Jeff Bridges. And I know how you feel about Joel Edgerton. You're not a fan. I also think Uh, Joel Edgerton,
0: even though he's only like 30 years old, I think he has hair plugs. And speaking of, I want
1: you to to look at this and
0: see if you agree with
1: me. Of a sip of bourbon. baby needs a refill go ahead Joe because because it's 10 of 11 on a Wednesday night <laughs> and why not why not uh, by the way I'm two in I've had two bourbons already you're, oh wow you're still in that one tequila yeah please tell me it was a pretty hopped up tequila though I'll take another splash okay good I'm just nursing it talk to the people because I do have something for Pat's movie corner
0: I'll talk to them but folks if you've seen Kings Ming, you know what I'm talking about if you haven't watch it the final scene of Kingsman is the, I, I would say, for me, in terms of mainstream cinema, one of the craziest things I've ever seen in a big movie like that. I, I, really, I really do think so. To end a movie like that, I can't believe anyone signed off on it. I'm not going to spoil it for Joe or if you haven't seen it. All right. Kingsman 2 kind of tries to do a similar thing where he has to put a tiny condom on his finger and he's got to put a tracking device in a woman. Okay. So he meets her and these two guys are competing to see who's going to be the one to do it. But they have to finger her to get the tracking device into her vagina. Uh-huh. And it was, again, like, the you're, you watch this whole scene, it goes on for like 20 minutes. You kind of can't believe what's happening. Like, I, I'm so glad that these movies were greenlit. Matthew Vaughn uh, did them both, and I guess he did what the he did Layer Cake, which is awesome, and then maybe X Men Three.
1: No, X Men Three is uh, Brad. Uh, oh,
0: Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner. He did X Men uh, something, right?
1: I his name is Matthew Vaughn, I believe. Did uh, Days of Future Past, which was the yes, X-Men Yes, it was ever.
0: great, and he did one of the worst movies I've ever seen, which is Stardust, starring Robert De Niro.
1: Dog shit.
0: I would say an F minus. Dog shit. When I say one of the worst movies I've ever seen, I'm not exaggerating. But, Parable. but Vaughn is is a guy to watch. I mean, he he's uh I, I don't know to to go to see a two and a half hour movie and not be bored is, is a special thing. But that's all I've seen, and now I've talked about it for a long time.
1: Well, I've got something.
0: Can anyone hear you? I would imagine no.
1: Well, the mic is like pointing at me. They can probably hear me like in a not a group. I can
0: one. go ahead and keep talking if you need me keep to. Keep talking. All right. Um, speaking of talking, folks. I look just, who's talking. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> I just had a quick flash of seeing look who's talking at the dollar show. When I was a kid, I had to wait for every movie to come to the dollar show. It's always nice uh, when your friends are all enjoying Batman and you see it three years later. At the Dollar Show. They used to let movies be in the theater for a long time. But the first Look Who's Talking, what do you think that's like watching that now? I remember loving it. Look man. Who's Talking 2 was terrible, and then Look Who's Talking Now, where it's dogs
1: with the voices of Danny DeVito and Diane Keaton. Even as a child, when they came out with the sequels, I was like, why don't you fuck, get the fuck out of my face? Yeah. But, I man, did I love that first one. I think I, I did saw them the drive-in.
0: Well, we accelerated our uh, sex talk because with my parents because uh, they show you that sperm thing at the beginning yeah i was like
1: what was that man did i love that look who's talking sure and that was the that was sort of a comeback for travolta it was and kirsty allen as well uh but then uh and then he faded away and then and then pulp fiction was the real comeback so here's the thing are you gonna tell a story i
0: would consider the the comeback michael
1: (laughs) speaking of comebacks yeah and travolta this is what I have for Pat's Movie Corner. It's a movie we've both seen several times, but I had a new revelation I watched with my friend the other night. Jackie Brown, once again.
0: I don't think we've uh, ever
1: talked about a movie more on this podcast. A phenomenal piece of work. Can I just say this? I,
0: I'm, I'm prepared now as, a, as an adult man to place it in my top 10 of all time.
1: It's not in my top 10 of all time, but I love it very much. Yeah. Um, but I will say this. First time I ever realized... The true tragedy of the Max Cherry character, his whole thing is he does for other people, never for himself. And this whole movie is literally him bailing Jackie Brown out of the situation. Yeah. Uh, And I I never fully realized that it always made me sad at the end. Yes. But I never fully realized the, the metaphor of it all. I am a very,
0: very, very difficult cry. I, I don't cry. I've s- I recently I always uh, Jackie Brown's always on like Cinemax or it's on my fa- my favorite cable channel Stars Black. Right. My most watched cable channel is Stars Black. Now what are they playing on Stars Black? They play movies with black leads. Okay. And for whatever reason, they're always playing exactly what I want to be watching. Okay. Uh, I just I'm just shocked that it exists. Stars Black. And and, and, that, and the name is that bold. <laughs> But I I watch Jackie Brown, or I watched like the last half hour of Jackie Brown on cable. And I'm not this guy because I don't like to come into movies late. I like to see the whole thing. Sure. But I watch the end of Jackie Brown once a month probably on cable. And I stay up. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm tired I'm going to bed at 3 and it's on, I'll watch the end of Jackie Brown. That's my one movie. But I've seen it again and again and again and again. For whatever reason... A couple months back, it was on. And when she kisses, in that tight close-up, kisses Max Cherry, Jackie Brown, then goes and gets in her car, and then Max Cherry fades into, like, hazy in the background, and then she's driving and singing while she's driving at the end. I was crying. Yeah. I couldn't stop crying.
1: It's a beautiful film.
0: It's a movie that gets better and better and better, and certainly... Like high school, I watched Pulp Fiction a hundred times, but over the course of the back half of my life, I've seen Jackie Brown way more. And I'd have to watch him back to back to true to decide which is better. Every and I never dreamed I'd even be making a comparison because I every thought Pulp Fiction single was the best.
1: person hits a grand slam. Yeah, Samuel Jackson. Keaton. I think it's his best performance. It is Jackson's best. Performance. I think it's his best performance ever. Keaton off the charts. We were hysterical. Watching the scene where 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 um, Pam Greer's like, she came into the room and took the took the bag or whatever. She yeah, had Keaton's going, Keaton's interrogating her and he's going, he's going, you got no idea, you got no, you got no idea, and he starts <laughs> actually doing like a weird De Niro <laughs> impression. Yeah. And they got him with the gum and everything. It's yeah, that but shot I, of him walking down the hall with the motorcycle helmet under his. Yeah. I mean, he's awesome, and his R- partner's
0: awesome. Whoever that guy, he's is. fantastic. But I feel like. Even the hardcore film fans, I, I, and I think I told you this and you didn't know that he plays the same role in
1: Out of Sight. Yeah, he, that's the same character. It's the same character, yes. I've never seen Out of Sight. But what? I've never seen Out of Sight. I never saw it. I'm sorry. I never saw Out of Sight.
0: Out of Sight is a, is a lighter, uh, you know,
1: it's a lighter Jackie Brown. Now, it's, did you see? Like, oh no, we watched Life of Crime together, which was pretty good. It wasn't terrible, but I thought it was, it was okay. I thought it worked. Pre- I enjoyed I, seeing Most Staff and that to, other guy play the younger yes. versions of the characters. I like that. I thought too. that was cool, and I thought that it was that was very early in our friendship. Yes, I would like
0: to say, folks, out of sight, it's no Jackie Brown, but out of sight is like. It's one of the it's one of the better movies there is. All right, and and you need to watch it. I watch it. Out of sight is phenomenal. It's the best Clooney's ever been. It's the best Lopez, obviously. I will
1: watch it. Now and I saw.
0: It's also got a, a massive laugh, uh, a a violent massive laugh along the lines of Pulp Fiction with Marvin.
1: I saw uh, Jackie Brown on Christmas night when it opened. I did too. Uh, West Dollis. again. Once Theater. again. Pinkstone, myself, a couple other friends, my cousin, one of my cousins, and mm-hmm. uh, we smoked a weed that was called Silver Pearl. Mm. Which, no, this was a time when you couldn't get weed in every dime store pharmacy on every corner. This was a, this was an exceptional. So you had a dealer, and he was like, "This is called Silver Pearl." Well, when I when I was coming up, Pat, uh, you had two kinds of weed. You had swag weed and kind bud. Uh, and if you found a guy that had kind bud, that meant he had something that was pure. That wasn't treated with anything, and then that and that always had a name. So he gave us this weed. We bought this weed called Silver Pearl, and we smoked it at my buddy's house, and we got crazy high, and then went to see Jackie Brown. What a dream! And uh, it was a a blast. And I do remember moments in the theater, standout moments in the viewing, because it was a packed theater, because it was before the movie house industry was completely failing. Right. And uh, but I do remember one of the one of the standout moments in the theater, at least like as far as audience reactions go, was when De Niro finally turns into De Niro because he's like this sort of burnout guy through the whole movie. Yeah. And then there's that scene where there again, Bridget Fonda, just grand slam. I clearly off
0: so much to Bridget Fonda in that movie.
1: Clearly, Tarantino was just like, be really annoying. Yeah. And the way she's following him going, Louis, Lewis. Yeah. Lewis. And when he turns and he goes, just fucking, just fucking stop. Just, <laughs> I need you to stop. I'm serious. Yeah. Don't say another fucking word. I remember the audience getting so excited. Like, yeah. Oh, he's about to go like crazy De Niro. Yeah. And then of course he shoots her two seconds later. Right. Um, but and then, like, and then Jackson shoots him. Jackson shoots him. I he needed you to, to be beautiful. You used to be beautiful. Used to be beautiful. Yeah. The fuck happened to you? you? Used to be beautiful, man. Yeah. Uh, heartbreaking uh Pam Greer at her best everybody's at their best Robert Forster in his best Everybody is at their best in that film Forster to me and you're talking about a cast of
0: big time heavy hitters Forster to me just kills me in that movie and uh I was that I think that was the same year I guess he would have lost to Burt Reynolds that that to me was the best supporting actor year of all time it was Burt Reynolds and Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. It was William H Macy and Fargo. Wow. And I like look. I'm probably wrong with this, but it was a great year for uh, supporting actors.
1: But he does this thing throughout. Tarantino does this thing throughout Jackie Brown, where he has the character. He has the actors. Excuse me. Break into moments where it's an homage to their greatest characters. Yeah. When you first meet Keaton, he's not Keaton. And then later the Keaton comes out and it's great. When you first meet De Niro, he's not De Niro. Then the De Niro comes out. It's (laughs) great. Uh, When you first meet Pam Greer, she's not doing like the Foxy Brown thing. And then there's that fucking tremendous scene where she's like, sit your raggedy (laughs) ass down. (laughs) And she starts doing like the whole fucking Foxy Brown thing. Yeah. He just, there are just such fantastic payoffs with the characters. And then to me, well,
0: he lets everybody just like talk and hang out like easily 45 minutes that movie has nothing to do with the plot which is what makes it so special to me yeah but even though they didn't fuck that scene of forster sitting at pam Greer's breakfast table when her hair's like down or whatever uh that felt to me the most realistic of like sitting with somebody that you fucked the night before sure uh and she uh when she ta- He goes, you know, I bet aside from uh, an afro, you look about exactly how you looked back <laughs> in 1970. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she goes, well, my ass is bigger. And he goes, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite line delivery maybe of all time. And this was in an age <laughs> when the big ass wasn't as de rigueur as it is today. I'm sure I mispronounced That's de That's another
1: rigueur. huge laugh in the theater. Yeah. Huge nothing laugh. wrong with that. Huge laugh in the theater when she goes... I don't I don't have any oh she goes oh my milk When she's going to get bring him coffee she goes right. my milk went bad while I was in jail and he goes blacks fine yeah <laughs> huge <laughs> laugh in the theater huge laugh yeah well I saw it
0: uh, you know St. Saint, St. Saint, I'm from St. Louis ish but the suburbs so like if I wanted to see an art movie or something that wasn't home alone I had to go into the city right uh, so my, my big theater was the West Olive of 16. Every year the day after Christmas, I would see five movies for the price of none sneak in. It's kind of a big, uh, you dirty on. bastard. And one of those years was, of course, Jackie Brown. But uh, to see Jackie Brown with a predominantly black audience. Sure. Was an absolute dream uh, in a way that once I moved to L.A., Especially when I was reviewing movies, if I was seeing a a Saw movie, right? You go to the Magic Johnson. I mean, right. you you just got you
1: just got to be honest
0: here. I mean, it, it's a more fun viewing experience. Frankly, I
1: saw Saw Four with a predominantly black audience in Manhattan, and yeah. people were like, there was an energy in there that almost made me like the movie because I didn't really like the movie that much. The Saw movies are all terrible, but but it was a great energy. Judd uh, Nelson, yeah. Uh, co-star of New Jack City Yeah Which I always uh, thought or, Judd Or Breakfast Club whatever I always do. thought Judd Hirsch Should have co-starred New Jack City <laughs> we, uh, we,
0: we, we, we got a New Jack situation yeah. <laughs> We need to get these cracks off the streets yeah. uh, These donuts are superior
1: Judd, uh, Judd Nelson said when New Jack City came out He would go to like movie theaters in Compton to watch it And he mm-hmm. said it was like an un- un- an unbelievable experience Because it was so much It was just so much more fun and cool and and whatever
0: it 100 percent is. I mean, a a big comedy or a horror movie. It just is. Right.
1: You know, I don't know what else uh, to say. The uh, uh, I know it does seem very strange to me that I saw Jackie Brown in the very, very, very suburban world uh, that I grew up in in Pennsylvania. On Christmas night and it was still sold out and there was still like a very like there was a very strong reaction with it. That's very odd to me to think that that just wouldn't happen now. You know, I mean we live in a world now where it's like, you know, goddamn you know, the next Star Wars could come out on Christmas Day, it's gonna be a quarter full. You know what I mean? Like it's just not that's just not a thing that happens anymore.
0: Well, and everybody was like it's not it's not pulp fiction and whatever else. We've talked about Jackie Brown a bunch on this, but I remember seeing the clip on Letterman and Letterman was so pity about jackie brown right and they showed the clip that letterman wanted to show not the studio clip and it was uh <laughs> it was samuel L. jackson going like don't fuck with my levels now yeah in the car and he goes now you, you click this button you're going to hear a little ooh,
1: yeah it's great it had
0: no plot nothing and letterman was like this moment he's like i love this so much yeah it's and great was the clip they showed.
1: uh apparently on the set uh they they, they did a joke where they had a big dildo Okay. That they would take pictures of if you fell asleep and, you know, when you were on a break, they would take a picture of you with a dildo. But apparently through the whole production, Tarantino kept saying, like, this is going to be the funniest movie ever. <laughs> like, I think he very much saw it really? as a comedy. And All I right. got to say, when I watch it, I laugh a lot. It's very, very funny. It really, really makes me laugh. And to me...
0: And, you know, you can't fuck with Pulp Fiction. It's an all-time classic. That's my favorite Tarantino. I think it's probably barely mine. It, it always would have been number one with a bullet. Now it's it's getting a little more murky. But Pulp Fiction's dialogue feels a lot more dialog Sure. And its jokes feel a lot more jokey than Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown, and he never found it again after that. Just feels very natural and real, and just fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's the best. Uh, it's, it's it's a tremendous film. Uh, and speaking of which, we're at fifty-seven minutes. We <laughs> haven't this, and
0: we've said this before. I don't know that we've ever gone this far without talking about the subject. Never ever.
1: So, Pat, in closing, did you like the Twin Peaks finale?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought Twin Peaks fell apart for at least ten episodes. The final episode. I like the final minute of the final episode with the quick flash of her outside of the house. Right. I'll remember that forever. I thought it was awesome. Did I need the 50 minutes of them driving in silence that preceded it? Right. Fuck no, I didn't. Okay. But when I look back on the season at large, I go, you know, I, I liked less of it than I liked. Okay. Uh, Did that make sense? It does. I I, I didn't like much of it. But when I look back on it as a whole, I got to admit there's a lot of moments and images and sounds and shit that will probably stay with me forever. And that's Lynch to a T
1: absolutely uh i, I thought feel, it was a disaster frankly but i'm glad i watched all of it i felt like and i was very glad i hung in there for the certain payoffs that came throughout the season the biggest of which of course was cooper waking up and then him turning to camera and going i am the fbi mm-hmm. as the twin peaks music plays i was disappointed there was not more of a payoff with audrey Horne's storyline yeah uh uh, you know there were there were a lot of things that were left oh, I would argue that Audrey Horn in this new
0: version was one of the worst television characters of all time well
1: but then she did the dance and then she woke up in that weird sure. white room and I thought oh okay something's going on here and they never explained it uh, and of course Twin Peaks or David Lynch in general it's not the kind of thing where they're going to go here's the meaning of the box where right. the alien appears I get that but I would have liked a little more closure that all being said, uh, and given the reviews and um, uh, uh, dissections I've read and analyses that I've read about the new season, I liked it.
0: I'd love to get into the, think, the reviews and dissection. However,
1: I think well, nobody, nobody just, could argue that
0: you could have cut ten hours out of
1: this. Yeah. Well, let me say this though. I, that some of the that's what I'm getting at. Is some of the some of the analyses that I've read made me think. Okay, if I went back and rewatched this again. Uh, You know, especially if I rewatched it as a whole piece Mm -hmm. from episode one of the original series up through this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, it uh, there's probably a lot more going on that I didn't tune into. Right. Um, But I think Lynch, you know, sort of misstepped when he, you know, because we I think we mentioned this in the podcast when he went to. Uh, Showtime and said like look I'm going to shoot like 70 hours and I'll just deliver a show. Yeah. They,
0: they should have kept him to the initial 10 or whatever it was. Yeah.
1: So um, you and
0: know. he I don't know. I mean that there were whole episodes. Of, it was it was building up on my DVR and I didn't want to watch it. I never dreamed that could happen with Twin Peaks. But it I is was strange. Like, you know what. I, I don't care. I don't want to watch this. But there were great
1: moments. As far as the finale goes, yeah, I loved the the reveal of Cooper is going to try to assure that the murder never happened. Yeah, I, I thought that was so fucking cool. I love that in the last episode they start showing clips from the first episode. Right, there were such cool moments. I sure. love the, cl- the the ending, which is basically like he thinks he saved her, but he hasn't. And in the last moment, she realizes she is Laura Palmer and she is going to be tortured and they are never going to escape this hell. The last that, moment is an A fucking plus. Yeah. I mean, I, all I, that stuff I, was awesome. It almost awesome. made it worthwhile. Yeah. All that stuff was awesome. So so you're left with this sh- sort of strange, uh, perplexing question, which is should it have been shorter? Should it have been tighter? Should it have been neater? Or because it was laborious in certain times, in, in, in many places. Did that make the payoffs much more worthwhile? And that's the that's the, the answer place. is no. Well, I'm confused to, there.
0: For me, but I think that Lynch was fucking with clearly. He was like, if you want to give me this money and you all want this show, I'm going to make you sit through some art shit, and it's not always going to be entertaining. I think there was clearly an element of fucking with you. And the ultimate proof of that to me was when... Dale Cooper finally pops out of his coma. The first thing the character says is finally, finally. <laughs> because everyone is like, finally, of yeah. course. I mean, he, he knew what he was doing, and I don't think he needed to do it. I don't know why he felt he needed to punish
1: the fans of Twin Peaks. But I in, will in s- a way, he was. I will say them. this. Had Cooper come out when I thought he was going to come out, I would have been like, oh, cool. Cooper's awake. When he came out, when he did, I was giddy. I was, it, I was giddy. I was like, he's awake. So I was like, okay, is that kind of the thing? Where I think like, you would have
0: had the same reveal if, if the, if, I mean,
1: six episodes of this thing drop
0: away, nothing changes.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's fair. I don't know. I, All right.
0: It there, there was an element of me being kind of pissed off by the whole thing, and yet <laughs> I watched it every week. I had a great time, you know.
1: I've been watching Lynch interviews and they're just I know. Well I'm going to get that new it. criterion of of like it's like a documentary about him. But he's 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 an awesome guy, but like him telling course. the story of like going to going with George Lucas to like yeah to interview to re- direct Return of the Jedi and he's like he's like I go to meet George Lucas and he says, I want you to direct the next Star Wars. And at this point I'm sweating And I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack. And he's like, then he takes me to a restaurant. You know, you go to a restaurant sometimes and you order salad. All this place served was salad. (laughs) And it's like literally just the whole story is like George Lucas is like offering him like. A gazillion dollars, I and then he's like calling his agent and being like, "You got to get me out of this. I can't do it." And like
0: I would have. There, there's no one with more integrity than David Lynch. I would. I would have killed to see David Lynch's take of Return of the Jedi. If it was Dune, uh, then I'm glad he didn't do it because. Uh,
1: Doing as a monstrosity. It's a terrible yep. movie. Harlan Ellison claims, and I love Harlan Ellison. Yeah, claims the movie is fantastic, and claims that everybody in the movie is impeccable except, except Kyle for Kyle yeah. McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know who he goes. He did a fine job. He puts sting above cu- the, the audacity. Yeah, I love I love Harlan Ellison. But come on, no, I mean I don't. Uh, apparently,
0: they're open to doing more of these Twin Peaks. But
1: I they mean, they are. Yeah, it just I feel like did you get the I got the feeling that they were not saying this is over. I got the feeling that they were saying we're slowly building uh, to bringing these people back to Twin Peaks. And we're probably going to do another season where Where, it's way more. We're back in Twin Peaks now.
0: because they certainly
1: didn't tie up all the loose ends.
0: Almost none. Really at all. What I heard was that uh, out the gate. Showtime subscription rates went up drastically, like before the premiere. But by the end, almost nobody was watching Twin Peaks. That's why, you know, hopefully you're thankful that for the large majority of this podcast, we didn't talk Twin Peaks because probably a lot of you didn't watch it. But uh, apparently it was one of their lowest rated shows by the end. Everybody was just like, I'm not watching this. And I get that. I mean, it's certainly a lot to ask of your average person. And by the end, it was a lot to ask of your average Twin Peaks fan.
1: Well, that's what I would say. And that's a
0: person who's got a pretty open mind.
1: That's what I would say. I would say in this day and age, I get it if you don't want to cater to the sort of, you know, YouTube generation or, or people that want instant gratification and instant payoffs within three minutes or whatever. I get that if you don't want to cater to that. But this went so so far against that yeah that it was like yeah it was like dude this is even like tough as like somebody who was like excited about this i know this relaunch but overall i liked it i liked more than i disliked and i again i feel like if i had the patience not even the patience just the time to sit down and re-watch all of this again in a very comprehensive sh- session I feel like I would feel very differently about it. I feel like I would like it much more. I just unfortunately don't have that kind of time. So God bless Lynch for doing that kind of thing for the people that have that time. And at his
0: age to be churning out this challenging of shit.
1: Yeah. It's impressive. And there are Lynch fans out there that will take that kind of time with it. So that's it. Beautiful. An hour and seven minutes, buddy. This is a long one. Woo. It was. Uh. Folks,
0: I'm at Twitter and Instagram, at the Patrick Walsh. Joe, go.
1: I'm on uh, mainly Instagram. I'm only posting to Twitter through Instagram right now. Come follow me on Instagram, if you could, please, at Joe DeRosa Comedy. And uh, I will be coming to the Pittsburgh Improv the weekend of the October 21st uh, to uh, do shows. So come on out if you're out there.
0: And we're hitting a near Halloween time. I guess it was two years ago that you and I did that Columbine horror film festival. Two years? Two? Yeah, at least two years. The what? It was in Columbine. You and I. Oh, went, oh, the Mile High Fest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, bring us to your fucking festivals. We we'd love to tour. Uh, we'd love to do whatever.
1: Yes, Pat and I are available. Uh, what we would like to do is come in and we will just do a live commentary to a movie. Yeah. That you guys want to see. We did Maniac Cop 2 at the Mile High Fest. We were not, prior to that, huge fans of Maniac Cop 2. We we, we have been since. Uh, but the festival asked us to do that one, so we did it. So we'll gladly do that again at, a, at any festival and with the movie of your choosing.
0: Bring us out. Uh, we'll see you next week. We don't, we don't have something picked out yet, but I know that uh, if it's not next week, I don't know when it comes out, but uh, we'll definitely be doing the new Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. Joe and I are going to go see that together, People are uh, say, and discuss it.
1: Early reviews, I'll tell you this, early reviews of Blade Runner and Justice League are through the roof. All right. People are saying these are fucking masterpieces. Blade Runner, they're saying it is darker, it is, like, crazier, it's, you know. I can't wait to see it, and it's all
0: because of uh, Villeneuve, the guy who
1: did Prisoners, which we discussed in yes. the show. And I'm always a fan of seeing Ford come back into, like, yes. one of his iconic roles, so.
0: All right. Uh, We'll see you next time, folks, and we'll see you in hell. That was a headgum podcast.